Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And once again, welcome to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here on this Christmas Eve. We've got a great show for you. I'm going to talk about Central Florida beating Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. First win in school history over the Gators. Tennessee Titans rally from a 10-point deficit to defeat the San Francisco 49ers 20-17. And the Atlanta Hawks get their biggest win this season by beating the Philadelphia 76ers 98-96 shorthanded without some key players. But first, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. It is Christmas Eve, spending time with the family this holiday season. Breaking away to do this podcast. It is a Friday. I'm going to have my football picks. I'm going to talk about that Madden documentary and what John Madden meant to me as a kid. Not just the video game, but the broadcasting. And we're just going to have some fun. This is going to be a show where I don't have guests. I know I had guests lined up the last three episodes. They have been very successful episodes. Yesterday, had Rob Frazier. A lot of listeners. Brad Page the day before broke records for the most listened to show in a day. And then play-by-play announcer Scott Miller. I had three amazing guests. I cannot wait to get more guests on this show. In a couple of weeks, I will have the head basketball coach of Columbus State University. I also plan on maybe getting some of the soccer players from the Columbus Rapids as their season kicks off. December 26th against the Memphis Americans. There was a really nice story on WRL about the Columbus Rapids women's soccer team as they make history as the first women's professional indoor soccer team. I also want to remind you that on Monday I will have my coaches show episode two. You can catch that on YouTube. So let's get right into the show. I'm going to start with the University of Central Florida beating Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. And it was ugly at the end with that brawl, but Central Florida trying to prove that they belong. Remember a couple of years ago, they claimed a national championship after beating Auburn. They always seem to do very well in bowl games. They beat Georgia one year in 2011 in the Liberty Bowl, but they were all over Florida, 29 to 17. And Florida has their first losing season since 2017. But this was not really Florida showing up in this game. Emory Jones is entering the transfer portal. UCF wanted to prove a point that they are a very good team, and they felt like they got hosed after Florida denied a home-and-home with them because Florida wanted two home games and one game in Orlando. The largest attended Gasparilla Bowl in history at Raymond James Stadium, and of course, because you got two Florida teams, had over 63,000 fans at the Gasparilla Bowl. This bowl season, even though I'm looking forward to some of these bowls, I'm disappointed that Hawaii canceled the Hawaii Bowl because they had a COVID outbreak. I mean, Memphis made the trip to Hawaii. You should at least allow them to have all the bowl earnings. So we're not going to get a bowl game on Christmas Eve. Memphis and Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl has been canceled. So the next bowl game is going to be this Christmas Day, Georgia State taking on Ball State. And of course, next week I will break down all the other bowl games as we get ready 
to get closer to that college football playoff. So last night we had a football game, the 49ers and the Titans, and I'm very disappointed in the San Francisco 49ers and that showing, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo, which I seem to ride and die with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he is amazing at times, and he should be the starter for 2022. And then he throws two bonehead picks and then misses Kyle Juszczyk wide open on a wheel route, and you wonder why he gets criticized. He's got to make those plays. It's This is on Jimmy G. The 49ers had a great game plan coming on a short week. Right out the gate, they took the ball down the field and went up 7-0. Then they stopped Tennessee. Their defense looked great. They were able to stop Tennessee. And then they easily could have went up 21-0. Jimmy G marches down the field and picks and throws an interception in the end zone. An unexcusable interception. And the San Francisco 49ers give the ball back to Tennessee. Gotta. A.J. Brown was amazing. He comes back, and you wonder why Tennessee beat all these really good teams and that they are 10-5 and on the season. I mean, they beat Buffalo. They beat Kansas City. They beat the Rams in Los Angeles. It's because they do have a very good team. I still think the 49ers are a good team, and they haven't messed up their playoff chances. They're still considered the sixth seed, and next week they take on the Houston Texans. And who knows what's going to happen in that final game against the Rams. But I think the 49ers do sneak into the playoffs. Tennessee is starting to look like that team that was favored to go to the Super Bowl. And when they get Derrick Henry back, Tennessee is going to be scary. But A.J. Brown was incredible. He was targeted 16 times. He had 11 receptions for 145 yards and a touchdown. And the big play was the 42-yard touchdown pass. The 49ers need to be very careful about this one. They jumped off sides. You just gave Ryan Tannehill a free play. I mean, what are you doing there? And he, he's gonna, just going to bomb it up and pick on the rookie Ambry Thomas, and A.J. Brown could just get whatever they wanted. And the 49ers should have had a better game plan to stop A.J. Brown. And they did not. And the Tennessee Titans were able to win the game 20-17. to Jimmy Garoppolo throws two interceptions, but that really wasn't the story. He missed Kyle Juszczyk on a wheel route. He threw just a costly interception when the 49ers were up 10-3 in Tennessee territory, and Tennessee just ran the ball down the 49ers' throats and tied up the game 10-10. At that point in the game, all the momentum flipped to Tennessee. And I know what I talked about coming into this game, I thought that the 49ers were going to have a better showing as far as the fan base representing the Nashville. But what can I say? The Tennessee Titans fans have overwhelmed everybody, and even though the 49ers fans travel, I did not once see a sea of red in Nissan Stadium. The Titans fans are passionate. I know it didn't seem like that was the case when I first moved to Freed Hardman in 1999, and the Tennessee Titans were one yard away from tying the Super Bowl because all they cared about was the Vols. But when you go to Nashville, you have passionate Tennessee Titans fans and I know the state of Tennessee cares more about the Vols you have a lot of great Tennessee Titans fans that love their football team and hats off to the Titans I think that they're going to do very well in the playoffs they've already almost wrapped up the NFC South so good for them I'm still disappointed the 49ers lost this was a game they should have won I thought they were the better team in the first half but Jimmy G 
gave the game away. And now the big question is, is it time to put in Trey Lance? See, Jimmy G does some good things. He really beats up on some bad teams. And hats off to George Kittle and Debo Samuel for bailing Jimmy G out on some of those short slant routes. Because Debo Samuel is amazing. He's the first wide receiver to make it to the Pro Bowl in 49ers history since Terrell Owens in 2003. And the 49ers did have five Pro Bowlers. So they are a good team. And I think that they sneak into the playoffs as a sixth seed or possibly even a seventh seed. But remember, they got the tiebreaker against the Eagles and Vikings. Right now, the 49ers are 8-7. and seven. The Eagles and Vikings are 7-7. Seven and seven. Vikings have to play the Rams. And the Eagles have to play... The Eagles have to play the Giants. So we'll see what happens there. Congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks. They got a very impressive road victory over the Philadelphia 76ers on a back-to-back without Trey Young, without Clint Capella, without Danilo Gallinari. They came in, and you got to give credit to Cam Reddish for leading the scoring with 18 points. Skylar Mays coming off the bench with 14 points. Anyeka Okongru with 13 you got Boganovich, who's back in the lineup. He didn't start. He went one for nine. It was very disappointing. But he did have 15 points. And then John Collins with 17 points. They beat a pretty healthy Philadelphia 76ers team with Joel Embiid, who had 23 points. They were able to get the win. They're 15-16. and 16, And they're getting ready for that Christmas Day game against the New York Knicks. The Knicks have struggled. Hopefully to get Trey Young back because I want to see Trey Young on Christmas. That's that's like the ultimate Christmas present is the Hawks finally get a nationally televised game where the whole world can watch this Atlanta Hawks team. Some of the other games in the NBA, I know that Nets Trailblazers game was postponed, but they're going to get some players back. Paul Millsap, James Harden, they've cleared COVID protocol and they will take on the Lakers on Christmas Day. You have the Spurs Beating the Lakers for the last time at the Staples Center. They're going to change that to Crypto Arena. But the Lakers now have a losing record. Let that sink in for a little bit. A losing record. LeBron James had 36 points. And once again, he's playing over 35 minutes a game. Russell Westbrook. Has there have never been a game where he didn't have a turnover? 30 points. I know they have to ride the ship without Anthony Davis. But you brought, you brought Russell Westbrook in for these moments, and they could not get the job done against a, a Spurs team that really is not all that good this year in Los Angeles. All right, you had the Warriors beating the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are now 0-2 when John Morant returned. They're, they have lost three straight, but they're still a pretty good team. They just got to learn to get John Morant back in the lineup. You had the Phoenix Suns beating the Oklahoma City Thunder, and now we have a collision course in the Western Conference on Christmas Day the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors going at it. Can you ask? You can't ask for a better Christmas matchup between two top teams in the NBA. And then the Miami Heat continue winning. I'm very impressed with the Miami Heat, 20-13. and 13. The addition of Kyle Lowry. They got Jimmy Butler. They got some good pieces. And I've really been impressed with Eric Spolstra. And he should get consideration for Coach of the Year if the Miami Heat do well in the playoffs. All right, it's time for my NFL picks. So we have two Christmas games. We've got the Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers. Packers are favored by 7.5. Will Baker Mayfield clear COVID protocol and play in this game? David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, is going to be out. So Miles Garrett, I want to see that matchup. I want to see how many sacks Miles Garrett can get on Aaron Rodgers. But it's in Green Bay. Green Bay is the best team in the league, and I think they win. 
You got the Indianapolis Colts taking on the struggling Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Not much of a home field advantage. The Colts travel well, and the Colts are actually a very good team, and I think the Colts win right here. So moving on to the Sunday games, the Atlanta Falcons, who are 6-8. and eight, Their playoff chances are about a .3% chance. Not good, but this is a mismatch. This is a Lions team. I know they play tough, and I don't know. I think the Falcons' defense could make Jared Goff look like a Pro Bowl quarterback. This is one of those games where the Lions could win, but I think the Falcons ride the ship and they bounce back and get the victory here. The game I really want to see is the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. The winner of this game will have sole possession of the AFC North, and I think the Bengals win. They are favored by three. Another great game. The Los Angeles Rams taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Even though Dalvin Cook will not play in this game because he tested positive for COVID-19, the Rams actually just improved their position to possibly take over the lead in the NFC West, especially if the Cardinals lose. If the Cardinals lose, the Rams win. They're in first place in the NFC West, and it's on the road, and the Rams are favored. I think the Rams are starting to play a lot better now, and they're implementing OBJ, but the real MVP on that team is Cooper Cup. The rematch, the Buffalo Bills taking on the New England Patriots. That game in Buffalo was sloppy, and it was just really bad, and Buffalo will have a much better showing in Foxborough. I think Buffalo does pull off the upset here and gets the victory. They just have better players, and Josh Allen is going to redeem himself and get the victory. Another another matchup with two really bad teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. I think if Josh Wilson at home shows something, it's going to be a good matchup. Trevor Lawrence versus Josh Wilson. But they're really playing for the number one draft pick. I think Thalen Thibodeau is going to be the number one draft pick, and then Aiden Hutchinson, the number two draft pick. You got your two best defensive ends in the draft that they are going to be playing for. The Giants and the Eagles. The Eagles are starting to peak at the right time. They have a really good running game. I think the Eagles win here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take on the Carolina Panthers for the next three weeks for two times. And there hasn't been a team that's been worse than the Carolina Panthers. I know in the start of the season with Sam Darnold, when the Panthers were 3-0, and that maybe the Buccaneers could have lost to them. I know it's in Carolina, and the Buccaneers are losing players left and right. They got Chris Godwin gone for the season. Leonard Fournette's on IR. But I still think that Tampa wins this game because Carolina has given up on the season. And I think Matt Rule could be in jeopardy of being on the hot seat. If not this year, next year, if they don't ride the ship. All right, you got the Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Houston Texans. The Chargers had a game which they felt they should have won against Kansas City. They're playing on a short week. I think the Chargers get the victory here because they are a playoff team. Then you have the Chicago Bears taking on the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are going to play for their coach. You know their players are going to play for Pete Carroll, and they're going to rally around Pete Carroll. The Chicago Bears' Matt Nagy is going to be fired at the end of the season. I think Seattle does take advantage of that home field advantage, and they beat the Chicago Bears here. The CBS game of the week, The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. If anything that the Steelers have shown us is that they could beat really good teams and that defense can show up, the matchup I want to see is can Patrick Mahomes overcome that Pittsburgh defense that I know they don't travel well, they play a lot better at home, but the Chiefs look like the best team in the AFC. 
But it's still going to be a great game. I know the Chiefs are favored by eight, eight and a half. It's still going to be a great game. And then you got the Broncos taking on the Raiders. Both teams are seven and seven. Playoff chances are very slim for both these teams, but the winner just makes their playoff position a little bit easier. And then the Sunday night football game, the Washington football team has an outside shot to make the playoffs, but the Cowboys right now currently have the number two seed. The Cowboys control their own destiny to get that number two seed. That's what they want to do. They want to try to get that number two seed. That that way they can have at least a home playoff game in the divisional round because I'm thinking the stage is going to be set for the Cowboys and Packers in the NFC Championship. It looks like that. The Monday night football game, the New Orleans Saints and the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are the hottest team in the NFL right now. And the New Orleans Saints, despite beating the Buccaneers last week, they will more than likely start rookie quarterback Ian Book because of the COVID protocol with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. Right now, if the season ended today, the Saints would be in the playoffs. So the Saints are going to try to play their hearts out. And Ian Book, you don't know what to expect with a rookie. So we should see the Saints have a pretty easy schedule. Taking on Carolina next week, and then they take on the Falcons to close out the season. The Saints control their own destiny. They can get in the playoffs if they win all their games. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. So yeah, this show, I really flew by. It is Christmas Eve. I'm trying to get this show done. That's my football picks. All right, I'm really excited about this John Madden documentary that's airing on Christmas. As a kid, John Madden was just larger than life. It's not just the video game. I grew up playing the video game. And I remember as a kid, I used to buy the same video game every year. And I stopped buying it since they stopped making Madden for the Xbox 360 because I don't have a new gaming system. But I used to love playing Madden. That was my favorite video game. But Madden as the broadcaster changed the game. I know that everybody remembers him as the coach for the Oakland Raiders. And then he went into the broadcast booth with Pat Summerall with the Fox broadcast. And Madden was just different. I mean, he would take that marker and just run it all over the screen. And and he felt like when he broadcasted that he loved tough football players. And so he would have, at the end of the season, what would be called the All-Madden team. And I love this because there were tough football players out there that John Madden appreciated. I'm going to appreciate this documentary. And I, I love John Madden. He's, he's such such a great guy. 85 years old, too. He's, he's got that bus. You know, there's a, there's a history on why he doesn't fly. You know, you can get into that. But he was a great head coach, the best winning percentage of all time. And I know his coaching career was very short-lived. He retired very early. He could have went back into coach. He could have went back into coaching, but he was the head coach for the Oakland Raiders from 1969 to 1978. He won a Super Bowl with the Raiders in 1977. His career win-loss record was 103-32-7, a winning percentage of 76%. And he was the main color commentator, along with Pat Summerall, who did the play-by-play for the Fox broadcast, for the CBS broadcast from 1979 to 1993, and then for Fox from 1994 to 2001. Now, He went over to ABC Monday Night Football in 2002, remember, because they had to uh, do damage control because 
of the hiring of one of the worst color commentators of all time, Dennis Miller. I mean, I, I like him. He, he's a good comedian. He was not a very good broadcaster, and that was clearly, I, that was a head-scratcher. What does Dennis Miller have to do with football? So John Madden actually retired from broadcasting in 2009. I can't believe it's been almost 12 years. I can't believe it's been 12 years that John Madden hasn't been broadcasting. Still puts out the video games, and I cannot wait for this documentary. All right, so yesterday, I my, my girls actually went to see Scene 2. I really want to see that movie, but I went with the family to see Spider-Man No Way Home. And without doing any spoilers, I got to say that was one of the best Marvel movies I've ever seen. I loved it. And that is all I could say about that movie. Because if I say any more, I am going to spoil that movie. And I really don't want to. I am looking forward to next week. We got the Book of Boba Fett coming out on Disney+. And then Cobra Kai on Netflix. My biggest question about Boba Fett. I want to know, will they explain how he escaped the Sarlacc pit? Remember, he got pushed into the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi. Actually, Han Solo didn't even know he was behind him and turned around, and Boba Fett and his jetpack and everything came crashing into you know, Jabba's little ship thing, and he goes right into the Sarlacc pit. And they explain how he got out of that because you were supposed to be in there you know, being digested over the next thousand years. Yes, I'm a Star Wars geek, but Book of Boba Fett looks pretty cool. I like how they got the actor from Attack of the Clones because Boba Fett pretty much was a clone. He was a bounty hunter and now he's not. So I love like during Christmas break, I could binge watch some of these shows. Well, that's all the time I have on the show. I do want to thank all my listeners that downloaded my podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and I will talk to you Monday. Have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.